This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically our Raw Reaction show in which we just basically react to the latest Arsenal news, matches, etc. And whilst I can't do these shows straight after uh, the latest Arsenal game, what I can do is do them as close to that as feasibly possible. Although what I do realise is every time I start this show, and you'll see this problem in a second, is this isn't plugged in. <laughs> so I've probably been sounding really odd for you for about 30 seconds. Hold on, here we go. Now you should be able to hear me quite nicely. So fingers crossed, I'm now coming through my proper microphone. Massive stuff. Thank you ever so much, guys, as I've said already, for tuning in. Please do, if you haven't already subscribed to the Gooners Hall, please make sure you do and drop a like on today's video as well. What a performance. What a win from the boys last night. Amazing work against Aston Villa. I was at the ground meeting a lot of people. It was an absolutely fantastic build-up to the game at the Tollington Arms yesterday with Mike and Ola. And I mean, meeting the uh, plenty of the members as well. Obviously, I travelled there with Pablo, meeting up with, with Dan and Ed, Easy, Easy Isle Ed as well. Uh, so Owen as well. Owen Young, of course, met for the first time. Amazing stuff to, to meet so many people and, and a lot of people from ABW and, from and of course, Lee Judge's side of things too it was great to see everybody there and it was a we had a great time um and i'm sure that you'll see plenty of photos coming out over the next 24 hours or so of how great it was it's kind of given me that buzz i'm not working i'm not working tuesday night it's given me that kind of that need to want to go back again so i'm considering probably going to the game on tuesday now as well just because i've got that i've got the bug i've got the arsenal bug to be at the emirates as much as possible because i don't get to go all that often because of obviously working through most of the games this season but when i'm not on i'm going to try my best to be going to those games so looking forward to hopefully getting a ticket for tuesday but let's talk about the game in question and get plenty of your thoughts and feelings and queries and questions in our chat box as we always do for this show i'll be doing a dedicated podcast in relation to this game maybe tonight maybe 
tomorrow. I'm unsure about when we're going to do the podcast, but there is going to be a podcast this week. Uh, we weren't able to do one in midweek after the Palace game, but I'm looking forward to getting one to you guys this week as well. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat box. Uh, he's better than you. Aaron Ramsdale, he's better than you. Emmy Martinez, embarrassed, uh, it's fair to say. <laughs> I was sitting in the clock end in the first half of the entire game. And of course, Emmy Martinez was at the clock end for the first half. And the amount of stick that one man has received during the course of one game was quite staggering. Um, it was certainly a surprise, not even a surprise, was it? Because there was some clapping, there was some cheering as he walked towards the goal as the game opened up to start. But as soon as that whistle went, public enemy number one was Emmy Martinez. And um, there was not... I'm trying to think of a more poetic image. And I was looking over a Getty Images for some uh, pictures for our for our articles today. And I came across the Emmy Martinez one where he is just slumped over uh, in in a fetal position that just could unbelievable, really couldn't believe how bad his fortunes had gone in this game. Um, saved the penalty against Abamyang, and then of course Abamyang knocked in the rebounds. Arguably nicer um, that moment of hope that we gave Martinez, only to then take it away. Uh, with Aubameyang getting the rebound, which was just hilarious. Um, so I was really, really, really appreciated the sadistic side of that, just because I'm so fed up with Emi Martinez talking about Arsenal in his spare time. Um, why didn't Arsenal miss Xhaka yesterday, Arts? Very simple answer to that question. Sambi Lekonga was excellent. It's, it's the only way we can really describe it is in this game, Sambi Lekonga was absolutely great. Um, I've been writing a piece, actually, about the midfielder, statistically and then showing kind of how in which he's his passing his progressive passing in particular was just so good he 100% passing accuracy into the final third and into the box as well he was just excellent uh and a player in which I'm really excited to see now push on I mean the amount of times I've said in the preview shows I said it on Twitter I said it everywhere don't drop Lukonga give him the opportunity to throw himself into the next game and prove himself that is what I wanted to see. That's what we got. And that's ultimately what we saw as a Lakonga fighting back once again to get back those, not get back even a poor display. He wasn't great against Brighton. And obviously he made the big mistake against Crystal Palace. But for me, I, for me, it's a simple situation where you've got the chance now to throw this guy in, do it, give him the chance to redeem himself. And he absolutely did that. So, Absolutely thrilled and over the moon to see Lukonga play the way that he did. And Dan Roberts says there, Lukonga was my man of the match. And I, I, I don't think I'd go as far as saying man of the match, but I was very, very happy with with how he played. It was it was excellent. Uh, I see a fair few people in the chat box are talking about Nuntavaj. Um, <laughs> I keep on trying to pronounce his name in the, my best Portuguese. It's you don't pronounce it Nun. It's not it's not Nuno because it doesn't have the uh, the accent. So it's Nun. It's like a Nuno Tavaj. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be speaking to Gerald Trelliao soon again and talking about how I pronounce Nuno Tavaj uh, a lot better. You really want to say the Tavares side of things, but it's just not that. That's just not how you pronounce it um but uh, we're gonna have to get used to trying to pronounce Nuntavaj's name a lot better um as he's going to be playing a fair few more minutes Kieran Tierney's absence is a big shame and obviously that sucks 
that Kieran Tierney's got a bit of an injury. However, if you think back to last season and how we were so affected by Kieran Tierney not being there, not being available for us, Granite Jack are having to deputise in a left-back role, really frustrating. Um, and then today, obviously, we've now seen a situation, or yesterday rather, where Nuno Tavaj or Nuno Tavaj has come in and, and absolutely smashed it. Um, <laughs> he was so offensive. Uh, again, I've got another another article coming out about uh, him and his performance and specifically kind of how Arsenal's passing uh, graphics looked exceptionally good um, and how in which his positioning alongside Smith-Rowe was so much closer to Smith-Rowe than Tierney was uh, in the North London derby to Smithrow, and you can see how he wants to push forwards. And Gabriel, actually, Gabriel was brilliant. Uh, the our Brazilian left back, at left, uh, sorry, Brazilian left centre back in that left centre back role, because his positioning allowed Nunzavaj to really push up the pitch and really get so far high up and not have to worry about his defensive insecurities. That's the big thing about about Tavares at the moment is because we don't really know how he's going to be when he's tested in an attacking sense. So we got to wait for that. And I imagine with against Leicester, he's going to get tested a lot more than he did against Aston Villa. But what we had is we had the ability in Interverge to get forward and Gabriel to cover that position when he was either at position or caught out. And he did really, really well in that position. So Interverge, I was, I was absolutely over the moon with his performance as well. Um, the ball that he laid on for Saka. I mean, Saka... A more experienced, a more mature player, I think, cuts that back onto their left foot, sends the keeper running and just slots it in with their left foot. Or a stronger right-footed player would probably dink it over the keeper and, and maybe hit it into the ground to get it over the top of the keeper like Aubameyang did for the rebound. But it was on his weaker foot. It was a great ball. He should score. I can't make any excuses for Saka in that moment. He should score. And I think a more mature player does but it's just one of those things. 20-year-old kid, he's, gonna, he's not going to be able to take every opportunity, but he should have scored there. And it was an amazing pass from, from Tavares, absolutely. Um, Lewis says Tavares was excellent. However, there are elements of his game that still need work on in terms of defensive maturity. Just hope he doesn't get caught out against Leicester if Kieran Tierney is still unfit. I mean, for you, if Kieran Tierney is fit next, I want to say Sunday, does he play? Does Kieran Tierney come back in or do you start with Nuno again? I I, I really do. I, I'm really conflicted because part of me says, play your best players. And Tierney is right now a better player. And we know that he's further down the development line than, than Tavares is. But Tavares is showing an amazing amount of potential and has played really well. Does he deserve to be dropped? I'm not sure that he does. But I think some people would rightly turn around and say, you've got to play your best players and, and fair play. Um, to Tavares to, to, to are an amazing, amazing game. You're going to notice my pronunciation go back and forth with his name as I'm trying to get used to it. Benjamin White, respect on that man's name, also outstanding. I mean, there wasn't really anyone that you can pick out and go, well, they were a little bit disappointed. Everyone was great. I, I love this formation. This 4-4-2, who would have thought Arsenal playing in a 4-4-2? I don't think it was a rigid 4-4-2. I think Lacazette was definitely playing a little bit deeper than Aubameyang, but it was still very much two main goal threats. Your two central midfielders, your two wide players in Saka and Smith-Rowe, and then the two strikers. It, it really worked, and I liked it. And what's really funny, and credit to King, one of our members, and we did this on the preview show, but King shouted out his choice of starting 11. And it wasn't the starting 11 that started, but his starting 11 was a 4-4-2. 
And we played in a 4-4-2, a, a loose 4-4-2. And it really, really worked. And when we talked about Aston Villa and the ability of Aston Villa to play with their new back three system, Arsenal's really struggled against these back threes so far this season. Chelsea, Brighton, Palace, all use back threes. And our 4-2-3-1 style has not worked in those games at all. So when we switch the 4-4-2 and you've got more of a threat to kind of, you know, um, have two strikers which are going to operate against the back three, stretch them more, you're not isolating the central striker. All of these things are obviously going to... All of these things are obviously going to be tricky for Arsenal to navigate, especially when you have that lone striker. But having the two enables us to stretch those back three, pull players out of position. And Lacazette and Aubameyang did that really, really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing this maybe against Leicester. Who knows if we'll stick with it. But I loved the formation. I thought it was absolutely great. Um, Manoush says it was not a 4-4-2. Lacazette played as a number 10 instead of Erdogan. I do disagree. I don't look at it as an out-and-out number 10 position that he played. I saw it as kind of this second striker. People want to put labels and say it wasn't this, it was this, whatever. I don't really care at the end of the day. I think people get far too sensitive. For me, it was a very loose kind of 4-4-2 in the sense that you had Lacazette playing off of Bamiang. I didn't look at him as playing a number 10 position. A number 10 position is something that's quite specific. But he was playing in this second striker role and I, for one, really liked it. Anyway, who, who the hell cares? <laughs> who the hell cares whether it was a 4-2 or not? Uh, Matthew says, formations are fluid. The main difference was Lacquer. Always put your best players on the pitch and stop that crap of Lacquer and Aubameyang can't play together. I think they can. And we've talked about it previously that you don't really want to see Aubameyang shifted out to the left-hand side because it doesn't really, it doesn't give you everything that you need. It doesn't give you everything that you want to see you don't want to see a Bamiyang isolate on the left or not supporting the left back or not doing enough and he can't beat the first man or he's trapped out to the wing you don't want to see all of that what you want to see is in closer to goal and so if you're going to play them together play them in both striker roles sure one of them like Lacazette can be more loose it could be more fluid and free but play a Bamiyang as close to the goal as possible don't shove him out to the wings and Smith Rowe and, and Tavares's positioning and their running down that left flank meant that Aubameyang didn't have to be isolated. Also Aubameyang's link up play again setting up Emil Smith Rowe for that second for our third goal in the game really does highlight that it's it's there um, and I think that we saw it in the North London derby as well with the little flick it was exactly the same movement in fact wasn't it it was the little outside of the boot flick around the corner straight into uh, Emil Smith Rowe. He's got that deft of touch to his game. And I'm not expecting him to be the guy that's going to drop in, hold the ball up every single minute. He's just not that player. But if you can get the little one twos playing off him or the little cutbacks and, you know, him dropping in ever so slightly, ever so often, it adds a little bit more to his game than just the poacher in the box. And I think maybe Arteta's changing something about him speaking of which Mikel Arteta got it absolutely spot on and you can't really you can't really talk about a display like that without talking about the manager he put a lot of faith in someone like Sambi Lakonga. he put faith in Nunes bringing him in I know he was forced into doing that because Tini was injured but still he was part of the reason that he's at the club along with Edu they identified him to bring him in so fair play to Arteta what I will say about the manager is that now is the moment to build we thought against, and I remember I did the show saying, is this a turning point when we beat Spurs in the North London derby? It can be a turning point for us, this. 
it wasn't a turning point for us when we did uh, well when we played so kind of poorly against Brighton. This is now the time to find your consistency. We go to Leicester. Well, we got Leeds, of course, on Tuesday, but it's going to be a much changed side. But you want to keep that momentum going. But we go to Leicester next weekend. And we want to see another strong display. Now, the tricky, the trickiness with this is it's an away game. And we were really buoyed by the crowd. The crowd were amazing. I mean, go read my piece that I've just put up and just been published actually on Football London, where I describe the entire events of the evening from the perspective of being in the ground. So if you weren't able to be there last night, go read the piece um, and it'll give you some insight. Link to my profiles in the description down there. Um, the, the, the atmosphere was unreal it was so so good the lights the, the, it really made me a bit nostalgic and a little bit sad because i've not seen the lights like that and maybe it's just my ignorance of not tuning into the games early enough or not being able to go to the games early enough for for especially for evening kickoffs but i've not those lights give me those times of when we were in the champions league at the emirates and when we played those champions league games and got battered by Bayern munich <laughs> but i mainly remember them just for remembering back to the times we beat barcelona at the emirates and stuff like that and that atmosphere i miss and it made me really want to pray again to see Arsenal back in the Champions League and back in Europe and playing those nights, those magical European nights back at the Emirates. But the crowd, fair play to them. They were great. Noticeably, a lot more people stayed into the end of both halves as well to to cheer the players and and to clap the players, despite obviously being a lot of travel stuff going on at the moment. So a massive fair play to them. Um, And it was great. But again, I go back to the managerial point. This this now needs to be the chance to push on. Leicester's an away game. It's going to be a test. We know our away fans are great. They're going to be backing them. But after the back of them beating Manchester United, and we'll see how they get on this weekend as well, and Pats and Daka, they'll back in form after four goals in the Europa League, and they'll play again soon. It's... uh, We've got to hope that we can put in a display. We've really got to hope that we've got to put in a big display against them and, and keep momentum going. Because that's the biggest thing for Arsenal is momentum. We haven't been able to really build it up. Despite being unbeaten in six games, we haven't been able to build up any momentum. It's strange. I don't feel like we've played great across those six games. I feel like you had a good half against Spurs and then the entire 90 minutes, well, 85 minutes against uh, against Aston Villa. I think that's being really nitpicky, to be honest, just to say 85 minutes. But... We haven't really been able to have a solid display across an entire fixture, and we did that yesterday. And that's what we need to just, you know, keep us ticking on into the next game and pushing forwards. And I want to see another good display on Tuesday against Leeds in the League Cup as a Premier League opposition. It's a good test. It's going to be a lot of good uh, rotation going on there. We're going to probably see Maitland-Niles and Gabriel Martinelli, Nicola Pepe, you'd expect, would come in, maybe following Balogun or Nketiah or get another chance. Who knows? Charlie Patino could be there. I doubt that he will be. But you never know with these things. Things can change. Holding, Marie, Tavares, I imagine, will come back in because Tierney is, of course, injured or maybe Kalasanach plays now. Cedric, uh, Leno will be in there as well. It's going to be a massively changed team, you'd think, unless we go strong. I mean, we went pretty strong in the other game against Wimbledon. A lot of first-team players were there. Saka and Smith-Rowe came off the bench and Arteta wants to target this competition. So maybe he won't allow massive rotation. Maybe he will just change a few players, maybe four or five changes from the team that played last night. We will wait and see. Um, Tom, apparently there was a 40 million attacking midfielder ex-Norwich player yesterday playing for Villa. Did you spot him? (laughs) Emi Buendia, the narrative. Uh, He's, yeah. How wrong? How wrong can we be? I I was gutted. 
I was absolutely gutted when we didn't get Emmy Buendia. I didn't. I think it was our most popular video of the entire summer window. Me moaning about the fact that we didn't get Emmy Buendia. How silly do I look, like, I look now? And I'm I'm buzzing. <laughs> I'm buzzing. Always am to be proven wrong about something. I was really up for us getting him. I thought he'd be a really good addition to the team. He was one of the highest chance creators in the league last year, and he's just not been able to really cut it so far for Villa. Maybe it would have been different. I'm not going to categorically... Football's not binary. Just because it's not worked to Villa doesn't mean it wouldn't have worked to Arsenal. But it, it's certainly not looking like we've made the wrong choice or we, we've missed out on anything. Arteta was very dismissive when he was asked about Buendia in the uh, in the press conference as head of the game. But Invisible didn't really do anything at all. I didn't notice him. I, I, thought, I saw him defending quite a bit, but that was about it. Um, really didn't get into the game. Ollie Watkins, another player that I know a lot of people like. Invisible, didn't get any service to be fair to him, but yeah, didn't really do anything at all. I mean, Villa in general were really, really... To be, to be fair, we say about them being poor. I think we made them poor. I think we made them really bad. I think we made them look really, really ordinary with how we played. It wasn't necessarily like the Spurs game. I looked at Spurs and I went, they are dreadful. Absolutely, absolutely dreadful. And the difference is now is that we've put in a game in which we've dominated that other team and we've dominated that team and we made them look bad because we were so good. And I think that's the difference between that game and the North London derby. And I think that's what makes the difference between those two, at least. Dan, I don't know how FPL's going. I'm waiting for De Bruyne to fingers crossed start for City. I really am not. After Mount's performance and I went with Havertz. Yeah. I mean, I say I went with Havertz. I've had Havertz in the team for a while and I don't know why. But uh, yeah, fingers. if you're watching this and De Bruyne's got a hat-trick for Man City, fingers crossed, then Danny Boy won't be laughing. That's for sure. Sam Chester says, we did not give them any time on the ball for the majority of that game and they had no response. Rahul says, felt like Arsenal were unnecessarily in top gear. Unnecessarily. Um, it's a strange way of describing it, but I think I know what you mean. Like we just kept on going full tilt. Like we didn't need to be that good to beat them, but I still feel like we, you know, I still feel like we we pushed them to the limit and we got them where we wanted to and, and we put in an amazing display. Tom says, uh, Tom, do you think uh, when Deer's performance, this might just happen to be the difference in competition? Possibly. But he was one of the highest chance creators when he was in the Premier League with Norwich. So the experience was there, but his goal tally wasn't that great. His assist tally wasn't that great when he was in the Prem. So... Yeah, I really put a lot of, of my eggs in the Buendia basket, I think, over the summer. But I was really happy when we got Odegaard, and I, I made that very clear. I, he was always the club's priority throughout the summer, and we got him. So we're, we're very happy about that. Uh, Matt says, Martinelli rather than a Bamiyang in a 4-4-2, possibly on Tuesday. Maybe that's what we'll see. Martinelli playing in more of a central role. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that indeed does happen. Um, Khalid says, Villa set up for Arsenal to win. Now, this is a really interesting point because... Khalid, they played with the back three, which is something we've really struggled against. Um, and, and when we struggle against the back three, we've not done anything to, to, to combat it. And I've really been very critical of Arteta not doing enough to combat what they've done, basically, what the opposition have done, which is to go and use this back three system. He knows that they were going to play the back three. They've played the back three for a number of games now. And he combated it really well by changing the formation, going to the 4-4-2 and really, really pressurising that back four and having Lacazette dropping in and becoming kind of a link uh, between the midfield and the attack as well. 
And it really worked. It really, really worked. So fair play again to Arteta. Um, and you've got to give credit where it's due. And, and Arteta definitely gets credit for that. Absolutely. So in the formation, as you highlight, Khalid's that we've struggled against. Uh, <laughs> Villa may have set up for Arsenal to win, but if you look at it on the surface, oh, we've struggled against back threes and Arteta's new system took it apart. So there you go. Uh, Sam says they were back. Uh, let's not... I mean, if someone puts in a comment, you've got to respect people's opinions, Matthew. Come on. Sam says they were a back three when we lost them uh, last season. Um, did they go? Was it a back three when Aston Villa won 3-0? Aston Villa 3-0 Arsenal. Uh, sure. Oh, was it was it three one? Did we actually score in that game? I thought it was three 0 for some reason. Um, oh, it was definitely three 0 I don't know why. Here we go. Ollie Watkins hails unbelievable performance. Let's have a look at the lineup of Aston Villa on that game. Here we go. Aston Villa. Their lineup was no, it was a back four. Uh, Matty Cash, Conser, Mings, Target. They have McGinn and Douglas Louise in midfield. Trezeguet, Barkley, Grealish, and Watkins was their team. So they didn't play with the back three a year ago. Um, they played with the back four. So uh, they, they changed. They've changed it recently. They've not had the best starts of the season. I think Dean Smith's tried to react to that. It's not going well. Um, it's, it's not really working. And I'm fine because I'm not a big fan of Villa anymore after all of the narratives. Oh, we haven't talked about one thing. We haven't talked about a certain Emil Smith-Rowe yet. Somehow, still, with 23 minutes in, we've barely touched upon the man of the moment, Emil Smith-Rowe. I retweeted, and if you haven't gone over to our timeline at the Guna Talk TV, go over, drop a like, drop a retweet on the tweet because it is just glorious, glorious narrative. Um, seeing the Aston Villa Twitter account tweet that Emil Smith Rowe has scored. That that was great. And not only that, but then seeing him go right up to the camera, grab and kiss the badge. Oh chef's kiss <laughs> it was just so good it was so oh, just oh. again the sadistic side of enjoying the misfortunes of our rivals and our opponents is certainly something that i enjoy uh and certainly something that you we must enjoy about football he was he was great smith rowe the energy that he gives that left hand side the, the combination play with Tavares was so good the link ups with with Lacazette and Lukonga Lukonga I've been really critical of the way in which we've lacked kind of granite jacker's passing out that left hand side but Lukonga's great performance enabled smith rowe to really impact the game with the way that he fed the the England youth international so Smith Rowe is one of the first names on the team sheet, without a doubt. I said in the preview that I wanted to drop Erdogan, wanted to take him out of the equation, give him a bit of a rest, take him out of the limelight because his performances have dipped. Give Smith Rowe that continual opportunity to shine. We did that. He absolutely smashed it. I was talking to my editor at FL this morning, Hush, um, who you obviously will see on the Arsenal way, as we do. Make sure you're going and watching the videos. If you want to watch all the press conferences this season, then please make sure you go and uh, subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Link is in the description. We do lots of discussion shows and fun shows and lots of different stuff than I do over here on my own. Um, but what was I saying? I was chatting to Hush about this. I The preview predicted lineup said, drop Pepe, start Tavares, <laughs> and watch the magic happen. And whilst it wasn't the formation I was after, it was certainly the reaping the benefits of, of Tavares starting and dropping Pepe. Uh, I hate to bring up Pepe in a game that he didn't play. Um, and it's very Graham Soonis of me in Pogba style. But 
he doesn't get in the team. He does not. I'm sorry, but Saka on the right-hand side is just so, so, so far above in a consistent level of performance than what we get from Pepe. You can't start Pepe over Saka. You just can't start him because you're nowhere near guaranteed or you're, no one's guaranteed a great display from any player bar those that are genuinely world-class, your Lewandowski's of this world. But Saka has to play on the right. You can't sacrifice what he gives to a team by playing him on the left. You you just can't sacrifice that. And because of that, it means that Pepe is unlikely to play many of our big games and will now be limited, in my view, and should be limited to playing second fiddle to Saka on the right-hand side. It just, it just sucks the life out of Saka's game for me when he plays on the left in comparison to the right. Um, and... Saka is just the person to put the time and the investment into our number one starting right wing position. I'm not saying that Pepe is a bad player. I'm just saying that I think that you will lose so much from Saka by not playing him in the right. And I think that Smith Rowe is really starting to shine on the left hand side. And those two positions are taken, they're filled. Uh, I'm waiting for someone to give me an explanation as to why Pepe should be starting on the right without throwing out statistical comparisons between Saka and Pepe when they only look at statistics across like the more general sort of things rather than looking at how Saka's performances are on the right-hand side, how consistent he is on the right-hand side and not talking about his stats when he's playing out of position. I'm still waiting for someone to give me a solid argument as to why Pepe should be starting over Saka on the right. They go, goal contributions. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but we're not playing Saka on the right enough because you're sticking Pepe there, who's inconsistent and can't beat a man. That's the issue that I have with him at the moment is that he can't seem to beat his player. His touch is off and he comes in fits and spurts, um, which you need the, you need him to be playing at the top level for more consistent amount of minutes during games. It's just, just how I look at it. It's just how I see it. Lewis says, while Saka didn't have any goal involvements, Saka helped our team play so much. When Saka is having a quiet game, it enables our team to play better overall. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Like goal contributions is something that we focus on a lot, especially with stats and especially when we look at kind of transfer targets. Um, and yet Saka's... Kind of, the Saka's kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Involvement, for a lack of a better term, Saka's influence on games is so, so much better on a consistent basis, even when he's not throwing in the, 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 the assists and the goals. It's still such a good involvement and influence on how Arsenal play and on beating a man and on transitioning the ball and progressing the play up the field and beating players. He's much better at beating a man than Pepe is. Like he can, I have more trust and more faith in Saka to beat his man than I do Pepe right now. So Saka comes, uh, Pepe comes in on Tuesday. He plays against Leeds. He's got a big chance to to prove me wrong and prove me, uh, Arteta wrong and to try and get that place back. And trust me, there's nothing more I want than for Pepe to go and prove me wrong. I'd love for him to go and do that. Pepe, I hope he comes in and scores a hat trick on Tuesday and gets back in the starting lineup and scores a hat trick at the weekend. That's all I want. But right now, I'm being objective and saying that Saka needs to start. It's as simple as that. 
Um, and that's the difference between someone with an agenda and someone without one. That's how it works. Uh, Dar Druid says, Saka needs to pick up a bit. I don't think he's played that well this season, losing the ball too easily and bad finishing. Dar Druid, if, if you think that Saka needs to pick things up, if you think that we can get more from him, I'm all for that, mate. If, you, if there's more to come from this Saka, I can't wait to see what that is because I think he's been... He's, I think he's been solid in a lot of our performances and when we've played well he's one of our best performers and when we've played badly he's not sticking out for me as one of our worst performers at all uh smart uh smike says uh correctly saka is not giving anything pepe doesn't give he is not beating his player no goals or assists i don't know um I disagree. I think Saka is giving us more consistency. I think Saka is giving us more fluidity on the right-hand side. I think he meshes with the other players a lot more. His first touch is better. His ability to beat a player is better. The goals and assists is what are lacking. The goals and assists is what he needs to add. But the problem is, is when you look at his stats, there's so many times he's playing away from that right-hand side. And that's where we need to see it. And when you saw him play... Uh, I mean, he should have scored uh, yesterday. He should have scored that chance to Tavares start the plate for him. Um, but when he played that game against Spurs and how influential he was in that game with the assist for Smith Rowe and then, of course, the battling away to get his own goal, they're the types of performances that you that I don't see from Pepe. I don't see those types of displays, the the creativity and the, the ability to get in those positions. And just kind of the footballing brain, I suppose, in some certain situations is much, much harder to defend against than Pepe is a, is a solid point. He's less predictable than Pepe is. And I think that's what separates the two at the moment. Um, let's go to... Let's go to Danny who says, hit that like button for the TGT. Love the content, Tom. Thanks, Danny. Really appreciate your time. And thank you, everyone that's tuning in. Of course, we do a lot of 8 a.m. shows, so I appreciate a lot of our Western listeners are tuning in live and they're not able to often tune in live because we do a lot of our shows in the morning here in the UK. So thank you guys for, for tuning in. And do drop a like in the video. We're going to be doing more content in the evening so that more of you guys can tune into these live shows. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you are hitting that notification bell if you haven't already to get all of the content that's going to be coming to you um i don't know tom i don't know what the record is um what i would like to see is what the record is when pepe starts on the right and when saka starts on the right rather than just when pepe starts because that's what i want to see i want to see the record between the two of them honestly the record between the goals and the defense and, and a lot more kind of metrics before we start throwing out any random singular stats um uh, sam my mood is so much better than when we win i i live for arsenal it made my weekend it's just it's just nice i get to enjoy this other than fantasy football i get to enjoy this weekend pretty stress-free and that's that's a nice place to be. Uh, Manuel says, I still don't want Pepe to do well on Tuesday. That's, that's a shame, Manu. He's always going to pop up with a few moments of magic and might score a brace against Leeds, but he's just going to frustrate us how he slows us down. Manu, that's a shame, and I do disagree with you because I, whilst I don't rate him above Saka right now, I want Pepe to smash it on Tuesday. I want Saka, I want Pepe to have an amazing game on Tuesday. I want him to help us to get through to the next round of the League Cup. And I want him to fight Saka for his place. That's what I want to see. I wouldn't wish anyone playing badly because if anyone plays badly, it means it's a detriment to the club. So I want desperately to see Arsenal's players, whoever they are, whether it's Saka, whether it's Cedric, whether it's... Who's my least favourite player in the squad right now? I'm trying to think. Um... Who am I really, who do I get really frustrated with? Um, to be fair, there's not Kalasanach. Like, I mean, Kalasanach, even if Kalasanach comes in, I want him to play brilliantly. 
That's that's all I want is because I just want to see. And that's the thing is that that's when you, that's why I think a lot of people and without coming across, it's unavoidable without coming across slightly arrogant. I don't mean to, but I think that's why a lot of you guys and girls tune in to the show is because it's not agenda driven. Like I think it used to be a bit like I was very pro Arteta in last season. And I get that that frustrated a lot. And I, I think I've self-admitted that it was in times where even when I was looking at it from the perspective of the awful, awful results, I'm desperate for this to succeed. And because I was so desperate for Arteta to succeed, I think that blinded me at times. But I think now I've understood that you need to just look more objectively. If you don't want Arteta as manager, that's fine. And I'm, you know, I'm still yet to be convinced to get back on the Arteta train. I've been kind of wanting a change of coach since Villarreal. And I think a change of coach would have been beneficial for the team. And I still do. And until Arteta shows me some kind of, um, until he shows me some consistency and we see the performance that we saw last night throughout this season in, in quite a, in the majority of our fixtures, that's when I'll get back on the Arteta train and saying, yeah, that this is the right guy. We're in the right place. But until then, I, you know, I, I can't change my mind because I need to see the evidence to suggest I need to change. And that's why I hope that you tune into the show is because you know that there's no agendas or anything. And Tony, I disagree with you. I don't think there's a Pepe complex. Because as I've said several times, I want Pepe to succeed. I want him to, to prove me wrong. I want him to be the player that he's not for me being right now. I want him to knock Saka out of the position. I want him to score a hat-trick on Tuesday. I want for him to be in the team and scoring. But if he's not contributing enough to the side, I'm being ruthless, I'm being objective, and I'm saying that I don't think he should be. If you disagree with that, that's fine, but you can't tell me I'm wrong for having an opinion. And my opinion is that I think that Saka gets in over him and I think that Pepe needs to do a lot more to justify starting in the team. And right now, if you said that, I have the opportunity to stick with him and see what happens or go for a signing in the summer and move him on. I'm leaning towards bringing in a replacement and bringing in someone to give them a chance because I think Pepe's had his chance. So there you go. And Rahul, I said, I don't understand the minority Pepe minority. I assume by minority, you mean the small, a small Pepe cult following. Always careful with words. Um, I, look, every player, and it happens with lots of players, Saliba, you get it with Saliba a lot of the time, you get it with Pepe, you get it with, who else has this? I mean, Lacazette has had it a little bit, Aubameyang too. We have it with managers, Unai Emery got a bit of a cult following after he was sacked, Arteta in the opposite sense, and it's always going to happen because people have their favourites. Martinelli's a really good one, says Schrodinger. Martinelli's a fantastic example. Someone that came in and gave loads of energy, has that classic kind of... It's a very stereotypical English thing um, that we love people that just run. I just want to see people that run and give everything that are tenacious, like little bull terriers. That's all you want to see from a footballer is someone that just give you everything. And even if they're terrible, if they're giving you loads of running, you can kind of appreciate them. It's just something, it's very something stereotypically English. Uh, It's probably, it goes to lots of different cultures as well. But it's just something I as an English person, really kind of know about. It's just something that's really kind of that's latched on upon latched on upon in the English game is someone that just will give you running for days. And Martinelli brought that. So I think that's what's given him that that cult following style. But we'll see how it changes. I think that we can just hope that whoever plays, that they do their absolute best. It's like the amount of times uh, the amount of times what's what is it? Um we've looked at 
the manager and gone, do you want Arteta to fail or do you want a change of coach? And if your answer is the first one and you, you want him to fail so there's a change of coach, I just don't believe that to be an Arsenal fan way of looking at things. That's the problem. Um, that's the issue. And if you ever want Arsenal to lose, besides it stopping Spurs from winning the league, which is the only time you're allowed to, you're not an Arsenal fan. And I've, I've, I feel like I'm a broken record because I've said this a number of times, but it's just, that's just where it is. Um, Dave, I, what did I say about Martinelli that's not fair? I, I think there's a lot more to Martinelli's game than running, uh, just to make that clear. I'm just saying one of the characteristics about Martinelli's game, why he gained a bit of a cult following was because of how much of the effort he put into games. He's way more than just a runner. But what I'm saying is, is that's certainly one of the things that why, despite being just 20 and being pretty invisible in the two games he played in the Premier League from the start of this season, that people are still desperate for him to play over players like Saka or play over players like Abamye, which I've seen genuinely people wanting to happen, which makes no sense. So that hopefully, you know, makes more sense of what I was trying to say. Uh, we are going to be wrapping up very soon because I've got to do a lift for the other half, who, by the way, was at the game last night. And thank you to everyone that came and said hello and made her feel very, very comfortable. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, Barnett says, maybe Pepe starts on the right because of the defensive security of Tommy Asu, something that Saka doesn't need because of his defensive work rate. I haven't talked about Tommy Asu either, by the way. He, pff, some of his passes were insane. That left-footed pass out to Tavares on the left-hand side. Unbelievable. Oh, so good. So, so good. Um, so in regards to your question, though, maybe Pepe starts on the right because of the lack of defensive security. Because of the defensive security. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not, I don't know if it's anything to do with the partner of the right back. I'm very much of a fan of saying that a player should stand on their own two feet and shouldn't need someone to make them play well. And I think that Saka can stand more individually. And I think you're right in saying that maybe Pepe needs a better partner or is more reliant on his partnering right back um, to give him the right service. Whereas I think that, I think that Saka can be more individual uh, and individually brilliant uh, and influential on games, if that makes more sense. Um, what did you think about Partey's performance? Again, just but <laughs> that's Partey. That's that's kind of the Partey that I want to see. Um, I want to see a Partey that's influential. I want to see a Partey that wants to score, but isn't you know is is being a little bit more intelligent with what he when he chooses to shoot. And thankfully, his, his shot was on target uh yesterday but that's that's the parte that i want to see that's that's what i want to do um i want to see a player that's that i know i've seen la liga be la liga's best midfielder at times and he was that good he needs to learn the premier league more he needs to get more minutes um, but fingers crossed we'll see that james rose says what's your thoughts on the ref i thought he was poor and didn't see much wrong with the disallowed goal um, I haven't seen the disallowed goal back, actually. I've, I'm yet to see it in replay. Obviously, being at the ground, it's it's very difficult sometimes to get replays of certain things. And I started work at seven this morning, so I was straight into writing about the game and, and stuff like that. I've watched back the highlight, extended highlights, but I'm still yet to see that. I, it didn't really, the ref didn't really come into my mind, James, because we were playing so well that I didn't have to worry about him, which is a really nice 
place to be. So I can't really comment on that again without watching it back in full, um, which I know the boys over at the Arsenal Vision do on a religious basis. So uh, I know that they'll be covering that. But it didn't. He didn't really crop up in my mind um, throughout the game. Maybe that's something from from being at the ground and watch. Especially when you're in the lower tier of the clock end, it's really hard to have like an overview. Hopefully, I can get a ticket on Tuesday that's more of a lofted position, so I've got a better analytical view. Um, but I was just happy to be there. Um, Football.London, mate. Uh, links in the chat. and In the chat, links in the description uh, if you want to go and find it. Uh, plenty of solid content out there for you to go and check out and check out our YouTube channel as well, The Arsenal Way, which you can follow for even more stuff as well. Uh, Adam says, Tom, don't you think that Pepe is sometimes a scapegoat for all of our issues? If you can't, if you compare Saka again and Brighton and Pepe and Palace, their performances aren't dramatically different. And again, this is the danger of obviously picking out individual performances and just comparing two games. It's not fair. It's not fair for Pepe. It's not fair for Saka to look at just two games. So I'm sure that if you picked out, you just you know plucked two games in the air, you'd, you'd be able to find an argument that suited your angle. But you need to look at it consistently. And from watching both of them for the entirety of their Arsenal careers, I come to the conclusion that Saka is going to be a better player and is actually having a more of a present impact as a right winger and he's better as a right winger and that we suffer by shifting Saka onto the left um but sometimes can it can Pepe be a scapegoat I think it's difficult for Pepe to become a scapegoat because of the position that he plays I think that the right wing and left wing positions they're hard to scapegoat players um I think you look at center back you look at center mid you look at number 10 as the creative fulcrum of a side striker, goalkeeper, the, the spine of a team and the positions in the spine are much, much easier to find scapegoats. Um, I'm not sure that wingers are necessarily the same thing, um, but we will wait and see. I am going to wrap things up there. So uh, we will wait and see. Um, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I really appreciate you all tuning in as always. Sorry that we haven't been able to go through uh, any uh, as many of your comments as I would have dreamed we've been able to. I'm hopefully going to be back this afternoon for another show this evening, a podcast, so you'll be able to jump in again in the chat box and hopefully we'll be going through some more of your questions. Uh, so I'll let you know. Follow us on Twitter uh, and I'll let you know when we'll be going live. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Please drop a like on the show if you haven't done so already. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend stress-free, knowing that we are joint on points at the moment with Manchester United, which when you consider the start that we had to the season, is quite funny considering they signed Ronaldo, Sancho and Rafa Varane to add to who they already have. And little old Arsenal uh, on the same old points. So there you go. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you very, very soon. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.